0: Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the Theomatic Podcast. My name is Daniel. And I'm Craig. And this is where we're attempting to make good theology automatic. Um, this is a really, really great question. It's a challenging question, and uh, it was submitted... Was this on the website or through this, TikTok? Is, uh,
1: this is Instagram.
0: Instagram. Okay, awesome. And here is the question exactly as it came in. What if you keep sinning after you know God? Can you explain Hebrews 10, 26... Uh, and then they quote the scripture. So we can assume this is someone who's read their Bible or knows their Bible, and they are probably a Christian. And so, um, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Okay. So this is a really challenging passage of, of scripture. Yes. Um, but it's also a common question.
1: This is, this is one mm-hmm. of the most if yeah. you don't have fear of the Lord passages, yeah. like, this is one of the things. This is one of the passages. Mm-hmm. that. Why don't I just read maybe a little bit bigger of the section. Yeah, a little bit. Whether we chance. address the Scripture right away or not, we could talk about this. Um, I don't know how much I'm going to read, but I'm going to read out of Hebrews 10. Yeah, do and it. I'll start in verse 19. Because here's the good news. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way that he opened to uh he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean uh, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There is so much theological depth in what's being said mm. and and ties back to Old Testament and All this. I mean, this is so rich. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another on towards love and good works, not Mm. neglecting meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately... After receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse the punishment do you think will be deserved if one has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant? by which he sanctified by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace wow if that's not heavy yeah
0: it's a pretty sobering passage
1: <sighs> okay so that doesn't uh, sound like paul <laughs> I think it is Paul. <laughs> I know. No, I, I think it's not Paul. I know. I don't think Paul. Yeah, I, yeah.
0: I, I don't think... There's a um, a group of people that thought Paul wrote Hebrews. Um, early on in my a lot of people pastoral career, I thought it, it was Paul, but I have since uh, changed my viewpoint. I do not think Paul wrote Hebrews at this point.
1: No, just because it feels harsh doesn't mean it's not true, though. Yeah. And just because it's harsh doesn't mean that it's in conflict with grace and love. Mm-mm. I agree. Right? So mm-hmm. I think that we have two things going on here. Number one would be specifically exegeting this text and all that it might mean um, hermeneutically and all that. And then the second, which is kind of the, the broader question is just thematically, what do you do with people that keep sinning either yourself or friends, family, other Christians that you know, how do you deal with them? So like, yeah, what do you do with just the continued existence of of sin? And then to hone in a little bit more, mm-hmm. is there a difference between deliberate or willful continued sin after receiving salvation and... A struggle accidental with Accidental struggle, I stumbled and yeah. fell sin yeah. after receiving salvation. So there's a number of different places that we could go, the and that, I, I think we need to go because yeah. it, it
0: it creates so much fear in the in a sincere believer, and I think the passage is weighty enough that it, it it's something you got to wrestle with.
1: Wrestle. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what do you want to talk about first? Like, uh, okay. Do should we just tackle the passage? Yeah. Because I don't know that either of us are going to have a perfect. Yeah, I mean it's still exegetical. debated.
0: Yeah, it's I mean there's a lot of debate about it. So the the thing is the, the scariest part is there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. So the question you'll get most often or the question I've gotten most often is if you deliberately sin or keep sinning after you're saved, does that mean you'll go to hell?
1: Is that what you get? I think that that's what people are wondering when they yeah. ask. Yeah. I I personally don't believe that that's what the verse and the section is explicitly saying... Yeah, I agree. Um, that's what I, and I think that we're going to do a different episode on the only unforgivable sin, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to do a whole episode on that, so I'm not going to mm-hmm. go there right now, because mm-hmm. that's a question that we get over and over and over again, blasphemy mm-hmm. against the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But this particular passage, I don't think that that's what it is saying. I, I think that what it's saying is, number one, Look at what Jesus has done, and because of what Jesus has done, he poured out his blood, he made away all of these things, we can have confidence to enter into God's most holy place, which, in case you don't know, is a great and ridiculously amazing thing in light of what the tabernacle and the temple was, mm-hmm. which was the place where God's presence dwelt, and his presence dwelt specifically in the Holy of Holies, in a place where only yeah. one man was allowed to go once a year, and it was you just weren't allowed there. And that's where God's presence was. And it was contained by a veil. And so all the language in this passage, Hebrews 10, is is so beautiful and tying back to the scripture and the tabernacle and the temple where he's saying, like, Jesus has made a way through his blood. He is the veil. He's torn the veil. Like, we now have access to God, so we should come to God. Now, it's also saying he is the way. He is the way. His blood is the way. So, that is the covenant that's offered to us. That is the way of salvation that's offered to us. That is the way of forgiveness that's offered to us. So I think it's basically mm-hmm. saying if we keep on sinning and we reject Jesus and what he's done, there is no other there is no other sacrifice for your sins that are going to take care of this. Like mm-hmm. he is the way. So don't reject him in your belief or your actions because like this is a gift from God to us. And if we keep on sinning, what are we really doing? We're trampling underfoot the sacrifice of Jesus like it just doesn't even matter. Yeah. And so, to me, if I'm, if I'm like going to boil down this passage in particular, and really the whole message of the New Testament, it's that God has—we can't earn anything. It's not primarily about our sin or our lack of sin. It's Mm -hmm. not about our ability to fulfill the law or the 613 commandments or thousands upon thousands more. It's not about our ability to be legalistic and righteous and all of that. It's all about, by grace, God did what we couldn't do. He gave his life. And now, out of response to what Jesus did, we should strive to live in a way that's holy and righteous and honoring of him, and that would be to not continue to choose sin willingly and uh yeah because he, this is the only this is the only offering of covenant that God has made for us. Yeah. He gave his own life for us and so if we don't receive that there is no there is yeah. no other sacrifice for sins. That's basically what I believe but yeah. again I would say so, in this particular one I would not say that I'm theologically an, an expert. Okay. But. So
0: um I'm How I would, um, and maybe this, so my goal in my next, like, trying to unpack this is to try to bring peace to people that are like, oh, this really scares me. And the reason I'm trying to bring peace is because I think if you take one of the powerful things about the way that the New Testament is written is there's a lot of bodies of of work from different authors. And I think, uh, obviously predominantly it's Paul and we know it's Paul in his letters. Um, and uh, Paul was sent to the Gentiles, which is mostly us, this is written to the Hebrews. The audience is Hebrews. It's Jewish people mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. have a... Um, they know the temple sacrifice system. We don't. So if you're a Gentile and you're listening to this, you actually aren't the primary audience for this. Right. That's really important. So when it says there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, that's in the ESV... I'm going to use a different translation for just a second, because okay. I think it makes it a little bit more clear for us to understand. Um, this is New Living translation, which is like a more conversational um, phrase, phrase by phrase translation and why that's important. Um, this is kind of technical. Um, you wouldn't know this from just being theomatic, but you know this from understanding how translations are done. Phrase for phrase is different than word for word, Word for word can be a little bit more confusing if you're trying to parse an idea. What, what phrase for phrase does is translators will go like, well, word for word's a little confusing. So instead we'll try to grab the meaning and say it in modern English. So this is what New Living says. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, so there's a timestamp, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only one terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For if anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy of the testimony of two or three witnesses, just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained Mm. the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. So what I think is he's saying here is, remember the old temple system. You'd sin, you bring a sacrifice, one for one. Right. He's saying we no longer have have that system. So after you have the knowledge of Christ, if you keep sinning, there's no more one-for-one system. So you can't just expect to keep sinning and then just, you know, in the old system, you would treat sin like, oh, I'll just keep sinning and I'll just get it forgiven. Sin, forgive. Sin, forgive. I'll just bring a little, you know, bring a little sacrifice. He's saying, no, 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 no. That's not the system anymore. Now you have to understand that your sin cost Jesus his life So understand the weight of your sin. And now we live holy because the sacrifice was God's own son. It wasn't a dove, a worthless sparrow for two pennies. It was the son of God. Right. And so understand that the cost was Jesus. And so there's no system anymore for you, Hebrew, Jewish person. And so this isn't written to you as a Gentile saying, if you sin after you're saved, there's no way to redeem it. He's unpacking the idea right. that the old system is not the system anymore. Good point. So that's what I think is happening, kind of getting them from the old system to if you are a Jew that is now saved, don't see your, your sin as a transactional system anymore. That's right. no longer what it is. Right. The transaction was once and for all, it was Jesus, the Son of God, and it wasn't the blood of bulls, goats, and birds. It's God's own son, Hmm. and he's lifting that sacrifice's value above animals, is what this passage is doing. Right. That's how I read it. Okay. So... And I think it's reflective. Let me say this: Paul preached grace so well. If you go to like I think it's Romans six, and this is in the ESV, and it's six uh, one, and it's coming off of Romans five. You would, you have done literally, by the way, if you get this, maybe Andy can link it. The best sermon I've ever seen on Romans in uh, two years ago. Really? When you did your Romans series, do you remember that? No. Oh my gosh! At the heart. What
1: sermon did I do?
0: I can't remember. It was I think it was like <laughs> on, in the summertime when you did like it was the passion series when you did the series on Romans. Okay. Uh, um. Anyway, you like unpacked Roman like the chapters of Romans. It was like the best ser- uh, sermon I've ever heard on Romans, and you did it. Oh. Um. But anyway, uh, maybe it was like reasonable response. It was in that series. Oh, was that the one it on it? Well, anyway. Yeah. Uh, What shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin so that grace may abound? Heaven forbid, right? This is Paul. So Paul preached grace so well that people would leave a sermon that Paul preached grace on and be like, so wait, should we just keep sinning? So like Paul preached grace so well, people would get the wrong idea. He had to come and clarify. No, 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 no. I'm not saying keep sinning, Right. right? And so the idea here is that, um, in a radical grace, like Jesus's lavish love, doesn't give us permission to keep sinning. And so, I think in this part, he's writing to the Hebrews that are coming out of a transactional system. Oh, you sin, bring a bird. And now they're getting introduced to radical grace, and it can often get cheapened yeah, because yeah, it's, it's so a, radical. Exactly. And he's trying to elevate. No, no, no. This was so precious. Exactly. It's That's like what I think it's, it's like
1: sometimes certain things you're uh doing a conference or something and we're like yeah we really want to do this for free but when you give a ticket away for free people treat it like it doesn't it doesn't have any yeah, value. No value so you got to charge something so they have value not cuz yeah. we really want the money and it and it's like yeah they're in your thought process they're like oh sin bring a sacrifice i have to do this and now you're telling me i don't even have to bring the sacrifice sweet it's just forgiven yeah. and forgiven it. <laughs> yeah. so it's like yeah and his point is like don't make cheap this great this great gift of God. Yeah. Um, because it is valuable, even if you don't mm-hmm. treat it like it's valuable. Mm-hmm. So, Daniel, is there a difference between—because I noticed this passage says deliberately sinning. Yeah. Is there a difference between willfully, deliberately continuing to sin and stumbling, falling, making a mistake? Oh, for sure. 100%. Now, I mean, either way, Jesus died for all sins, no matter yes. how heinous. But in terms of like our standing in a relationship with God, is yeah. there, is there, how, yeah. how do you, how are we thinking about this? Um, I almost, <laughs> oh, I, know, but I want to say one thing too. I almost I, don't want to answer this. <laughs> I want to say one thing. I wanted to go back just real quick to say the, what you were talking about, about, Looking at other pieces of scripture, mm-hmm. I I would say that um I wanted to verify that that's like inherently thematic in the sense of like to to be thematic is not to say well this one verse says this and so but it's like okay but what does it say in the con- like what does the whole narrative say together yeah and that's kind of how you have to be to come to your conclusions thematically mm-hmm. anyway okay back to my question yeah so deliberate sin versus making a mistake yeah.
0: Well, yeah, so in in the Bible, there are sins of commission, like things that you do. There are sins of omissions, you know, things you should do that you didn't do. And then there are just like, uh, I can't remember the name of it, the like christened name of it, but like things that you didn't know that you're doing, that you're committing, that you didn't
1: even know. Um, I feel like is that a transgression? Transgression. Thank you. Okay. Yes, it's a transgression. Yeah. Transgression is you transgressed, whether it's didn't an, an omission or a commission. I think it's probably a commission. Yeah. Something you do, but you didn't know that it was wrong. Yeah.
0: And um, and then there's like a verse that talks about like you know where there is no law, there's no impugnment for sin, and like there's like there's a um a tapestry, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, Whatever uh, does not come uh, from faith is, is sin. sin. So right. is that. Yeah. The world of sin definitions is complex, especially for Hebrews, people, uh, Jewish people. 613 13 13 laws. laws, yeah. Um, some civil, some ritual, some, you know. Anyway, I'm going to give you a primer. We only have like eight minutes left. I'm going to open a can of worms, and you're going to have to close it. <laughs> okay? And uh, I would love to do a whole episode, and I'm going to blow TikTok up. So, I land on the side of where Martin Luther lands. In fact, my son... Okay,
1: let's bring in Martin Luther just before you say your opinion so you can have some backing. Okay, what's your... I don't know if it's backing, but maybe it
0: is. Um, Titus's middle name is Luther uh, because I love this belief so much. Um... And uh, his first name comes from Titus two eleven for the you know uh, uh, that scripture Titus two eleven. But um, the um, the 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 Martin Luther has this uh, crazy quote where he says, "If you're going to sin, oh. sin boldly for it's already forgiven." Have you ever heard of that? Yes, but what? Okay, so the idea I told you I was going to open a can <laughs> of worms. So the idea or the principle behind that. Is that all of Craig Brown's sins, whether on purpose, deliberate, transgression, omission, commission, were future sins 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross. And all of the sins of the world were nailed to the cross, whether you meant to do them or you didn't do them. And if your salvation is real and your name was written in the book of life in that moment, then it is already forgiven at that moment. And I have wrestled with that principle and it is so challenging for me to understand it. And so I don't know what you think of that. How I typically teach it to my own kids is I use Hebrews. I use this and I say, and I use their mom and I say, mom has told me if I'm ever unfaithful to her, she'll never leave me. And her grace And commitment to me shows more about me than her. If I use her grace to go cheat on her, that shows me who I am, not who she is. So wouldn't it be the right response for me to live in purity and commitment and seriously in love with your mom? So because Hmm. all my sins are forgiven, Hmm. won't I live madly in love with Jesus the rest of my life? Right.
1: So, if this is all a, a real relationship with God, not yeah. just a transaction, then wouldn't we not want to trample the love of our life under our feet?
0: Wouldn't we not want to trample the blood of Jesus that has already forgiven everything? Isn't that the reasonable response yeah. to such a gift? So, that is my actual theology. I think all our sins are atoned, literally covered, whether deliberate or not deliberate. But isn't it the reasonable response of such radical grace to live upright and holy lives in this present age? Because that's what Titus 2.11 says. The same I salvation. I could probably get on board with that. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because I think I'm it makes Jesus'
0: sacrifice the right size. For sure. And holds us responsible
1: to live right. Yeah. I mean, I reject limited atonement, generally speaking. Um. So I like that. Um and I also don 't think that people need to after they sin every single time, go and confess, and if you get in a car accident after sinning and not having confessed, that all of a sudden you 're going to hell like, yeah no totally no way it 's not that 's not what it 's like it 's like we 're in right relationship, but I do think that there is something that seriously needs to be addressed about continually habitually sinning or calling willfully calling something not a sin that that God says is a sin, which is why in the church, there's such a huff-puff about certain sins, Mm -hmm. certain hot-button political topics that are not just political. It's because—and then we get the feedback, and and I think you probably know what I'm talking about. I have a viewpoint about that, but yeah. We get the feedback— well, you guys have—you sin in other ways, and that's our sin, and it's like, okay, I get that. But the problem is the community is is trying to argue, no, no, this isn't a sin, and you need to tell me it's not a sin. Yeah. The difference is— No I, go. I'm no not, go on that. Yeah. I'm not better than anybody in that community or any other community. Yeah. My sin does not smell sweeter. Yes, correct. Our sin is, is just as bad as each other. The point is, at any point in my life, at any sin, if if I start saying, Daniel— that's not a sin anymore, and I want you to agree with me. No that's way. That's where I miss it, and you need to rebuke yeah. me Come too. Come on.
0: We cannot go there. Anything God calls a sin in the Word of God has to be called a sin. Right. Let's agree. Right. Yeah, we can't change what God says is a sin in the Bible. I 100% agree. Right. It's interesting that, let's call it compelled speech, um, it's so fundamental to certain movements because of, You've got to change that truth. Even if, like, I treat you perfectly respectfully, you're welcome in my presence. We can be civil, all that. No, no. no. Gotta change that truth. That shows me that there's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 uh, spiritual, I believe. Oh, yeah. Um now um because it's certainly not physical like there's no physical harm there's like perfectly respectful perfectly civil you have food you have water you have all rights you have access all the different things are present for life liberty and pursuit of happiness but i can't say that in christianity the god of the bible believes that this action is not a sin right and 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 somehow we've we've breached this like we can't be okay together. Right? right. Because that's the one thing I cannot do. I can't say God didn't say this. Right? right. And as Christians, I believe we can't get, that's the hill we die on. Right. Right. We have to, That sorry, that's we can't. Right. So we agree. Right. right. Yeah. Now, um, I have a belief that I think atonement, I, so I'm going to say what I believe. Are you ready? You can disagree. I think salvation is still possible. I think it's because atonement can cover, even in that scenario where there is a uh, deliberate sin, but I think community isn't really possible, which is why the prescription in the New Testament is to cut that kind of deliberate sinner out of your community, hmm. and on purpose, so that the devil can have the way with that person. Right. So I think they're... He's there, quoting uh, 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 5. 5. So... Um, We're kind of skirting around it on purpose um, for TikTok. There are certain um, issues, specifically sexual ones. In this case, it was actually a person sleeping with their... Father and his mother, his mother-in-law. His mother-in-law. Yeah. So let's use the biblical thing. Yeah. If you're sleeping with your mother-in-law, the Bible prescribes that if we're in community together, and you're coming to my church, and you won't stop even after we've talked to you, like, dude, you
1: got to stop sleeping with your mother-in-law, right. and you you're refuse. Not a, you're it. not an unbeliever. You're a believer. You're, You've yeah. received the knowledge of the truth. Yeah. And, after, and now you keep
0: doing this, and you keep doing this, and you won't change this behavior. You're destroying this family. You're you're, you're you won't change. You're like, yeah, I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. What the Bible says we ought to do as a community of faith is be like, I'm really sorry, you you can't be in this community anymore. That is the prescribed biblical action that we take. And I would 100%, if I was a pastor of a church, if I was a member of church, I would not only do that action, I would agree with that action. Like, yeah. And when you're ready to repent, meaning say, I'm really sorry, I was confused, I was lost in my sin. And when you're ready to repent, own it, and come back, I would welcome that person. They would have to re-earn some trust and show um, real repentance and, and re-earn trust, but they would be welcome back when they come, when they're ready. That's how I would handle it. Mm-hmm. And the reason the Bible says to do that is because sometimes people have to like be in rebellion and reap what they sow to get humbled, to come back and be ready because pain is the only teacher sometimes. Now, do I believe that Father God, are they lost to the Father and will be in hell? Me, Daniel Hunt, personally, I don't believe that they're irredeemable at that point, but I believe the community cannot have them. That's how I would Hmm, parse that. Here's how I get it if my child were lost in sin and they were in prison, we're still blood related, but we've lost community. I can't see them anytime I want. So that's how I parse it. When you're saved, you're mine. We're blood related. You are my son but because of your actions, we can't get to each other anymore. And that's how I think the Lord parses it for our communities. God is saying, like, I can still save you and redeem you in the afterlife, but on this life it's going to be a little hell on earth for you. You're not going to have the community that you have. You're going to reap what you sow until you humble yourself. Think prodigal son in the pigs, in the slop. When you're ready to come back, I'm going to run to you. I'm going to throw the ring on your finger, right. you know, because that's how God treats the people that humble right. themselves in turn. That's, is that a, okay, Primer? That's how I believe yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't But know we can't, I'm... we can't call the sin, not a sin. For sure.
1: For sure. Yeah, the way the way I see just maybe the, the basic argument, hey, if you keep on sinning, you're definitely not saved. I, I would say I don't think that it's that black and white. I think that I think that the presence of habitual deliberate sin may be an indicator that you don't actually have faith. But I'm not gonna say that for sure if you continue to start to choose something it means you don't or mm-hmm. it means you don't have a relationship with God or or that you absolutely can't you're going you're you're definitely going to hell if you're in this community mm-hmm. or if you keep doing these certain things i just think that if you keep choosing to do sin it brings about the question of do i actually have faith in God and yeah. a-, a relationship with him because if i did why am i still right but here's interesting paul calls them a believer what this guy in first Corinthians? Yeah. Or yeah. Hmm. He doesn't call them an unbeliever. That's true. Cuz he specifically where I get it from. says we're not supposed to judge unbelievers, yeah. but yeah. I am supposed to judge this guy cuz he is a believer. Yeah. Interesting. He's still in our family. He's still
0: categorically a believer. Interesting. That's yeah. why I parse it that way. Hmm. So his sin, deliberate, unrepentant does not mean he is not he's lost his faith. He still has it but there is a punishment for it. There is a... Excommunication is literally what it is. Yeah, it is. So, so you lose
1: community, but not salvation is how I parse it. Mm.
0: And I think that's how Paul was parsing And it. I
1: think we will probably do an episode on can you lose your salvation. I think we should, yeah. Maybe important. we'll just do it next. Yeah, that is an a question important question yeah. this episode. So, listen, we've been going now for uh, quite a while. <laughs> yeah. I think... There was a battery it, change in there, I don't but, know yeah. what you heard, but in my opinion, I think that we've come to... Some conclusions theomatically, and also that there's there's more that probably needs to be thought through and discussed yeah. and and that this is layered and if you're and if you start talking about specifics, this sin versus this sin, it's all layered so but this is what part of what being theomatic is about is having conversations and wrestling with both hard and big and broad yeah. subjects and hard texts. Mm -hmm. And where do you land? And so for me, if I'm going to give like a 30 second conclusion on this, if you have a real relationship with God and he's really the lover of your soul, come on, why would you step on him? Mm. Why would you want to deliberately? So yeah. And if you're deliberately sinning, stop it.
0: (laughs) If you're struggling with sin, keep fighting and, If you're asking the question, it probably means you're a really sincere believer, and you have not a a lot to worry about in regards to, like, you know, don't be fearful, just keep on fighting. And the cool thing is, it seems to be that the uh, remedy or antidote often is community. So get to your church, get to your small groups, find people, believe and confess your sins to one another, and you will be healed. So. I mean, that, it's awesome. The, the, there's so many systems and, um, in the Word of God that you can lean into and um, rely on, and there's answers there for you.
1: Awesome. Thanks for joining thematic, Season 5. We'll see you next time. Amen.